You sit back and watch for the bullshit. Because you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what's, you what's coming. You know what's coming. with Brian Simpson, episode four. I'm your host, Brian Simpson. As always, uh, yeah, let's get right into it. We got we got a got a few questions today. Actually, several questions in one letter. Uh, this is from a couple, uh, Harry and Lana. So Harry and Lana want to know. Uh, well, for uh, would you rather? I played this game before. Would you rather constantly smell shit and feel disgusted by it or smell like shit to everyone else, uh, but you don't smell it? Mm. I'm sure I've probably smelled like shit before. Um... Yeah, man, that's a tough one. But you know what? I'm going to have to go ahead and go with smell like shit. <sighs> because the other one is torture. You're basically asking me, would I rather torture myself? Nah. Because if I, if I smell like shit, then people will keep away from me. You know, and so then won't nobody be bothered by it. You know. But if I smell shit all the time, I, I got to, nah. That's, I, you, I end up blowing my brains out. Especially if it's like you don't get used to it, you just it's just constantly like a fresh one. Nah, nah, that's nah. Then you did nothing taste good. Yeah, fuck all that. <laughs> fuck all that. Um, uh, question number two: How do you motivate yourself? Oh man. Well, there's a lot to that. I, I'm generally uh, unmotivated, um, but you. But that's not what you're asking. You're not asking. You're asking me. Okay, how do I get out of that? How do I, how do I pump myself up? Honestly, uh, I find exercise is a good thing. Um, I know this sounds cheesy, but I find making my bed in the morning, whether or not I make my bed in the morning is usually a good indicator of how much shit I'm going to get done um, during the day. Uh, But my number one overall motivator, my number one, the number one thing that really gets me, gets me fired up about shit is revenge. Revenge. Yeah, dog. I'm petty as hell. Tom Petty. Petty mayonnaise. I, <laughs> if, 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 if I know, you know, it's like, that's how I got, that's how I got through boot camp. I wanted to leave boot camp. Cause see, a lot of people don't know this. Uh, you can leave boot camp whenever you want. I, I mean, in, in the Marine Corps, I don't know how the other branch services work, but you can just, at any point, you can be like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, and of course, I mean, it's not going to be just that simple. They're going to probably try to scare you. Um, 
Yeah, maybe put maybe put hands on you, something like that. But but at the end of the day, they gotta let you go home. Um, and 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 quite a few people choose that option too. Quite a few people do it. Uh, but I couldn't, and this is why. It's because my dad was so certain that I would not pass boot camp. When he dropped me off. He he knew the shit was gonna take like a few months. And when he dropped me off, he was like, All right, see you in a few weeks or whatever. You know, that was his last little jab at me when I <laughs> when I was on my way. So I thought about that shit the whole time. Every time I wanted to quit, I was like, nah. Nah, I'm gonna show his ass. Um Yeah. Revenge is a good motivator, but you end up not satisfied because cause even when even when I finished, it wasn't like he was he wasn't impressed with it. He didn't feel like, you know, badly about it. So I don't know, maybe. But that's my favorite shit. Revenge. I yeah, revenge, revenge gets me up in the morning. That's my cup of coffee. Also, coffee. Coffee motivates me. Triumph. That's what I'm looking for. Not necessarily revenge, but triumph. Oh, you know, if, if, like the chance to stick it to a motherfucker that deserves it. Yeah, that's what gets me up in the morning right there. Also coffee. All right. Serious, serious question. My sister has had a sudden loss of vision that appears to be related to fissures in her cornea. From severe dry eyes. What is that? Is that from smoking weed or what's that? And is worsened by the work she does as a graphic artist. Okay, so she does smoke weed. Uh, from what I've read, I'm afraid that if she continues working, the fissures won't heal well. She'll have scarring and her vision will be permanently affected. And I'd like to convince her to stop working until she's healed. She is very stubborn and resistant to advice. How can I approach her to get the result that I truly believe would be best for her vision and not trigger her resistance? Mm. Well, you know, I'm sorry to say it, but the, the old saying exists for a reason. You can't help anyone that doesn't want to help themselves. You know, I mean, it, of, uh, of my siblings, I'm the stubborn one. I'm the one that you can't tell shit. You know what I mean? It's like, it's gotta make, it's gotta make sense to me. I can't feel like I'm being manipulated, you know, and damn sure don't try to force me to do shit. You know, because that seems like the only way you'd be able to convince her is to, is you would have to have some sort of leverage, and you don't. She sounds like she's doing pretty good with this graphic design. You know, I, I, I get your concern, but yeah, if she doesn't see it as a problem, there's no way you can make her see that. Um, my advice to you would be to stop stressing about it, which I know is impossible because this is your sister. Um, but you got to let her live. 
you know, I don't know. You didn't mention if she's your older sister or your younger sister. Um, cause that kind of matters. Um, uh, but, but that doesn't really, that doesn't really speak to your question. I mean, can you get your mom involved? Can you get her husband involved or her, or her significant other, her children maybe? Um, I don't know. But it coming directly from you, that's a no-go. That's not going to work. You know, because she's, al- she's already resistant to you trying to tell her what to do. See, this just goes to show, guys. It, it, no matter how old you get, that dynamic of big brother, little brother, big sister, little sister, that shit never changes. You know what I mean? You're always gonna, you're always gonna be, you're always gonna be your mama's little man. You're always gonna be your daddy's little girl. You're always gonna be your brother's little brother. Like that's just how they always gonna see you. Like as though you need guidance. And uh, and so and so it's not. I'm guessing this is your little sister. I'm just gonna guess. Uh, uh, but. Uh, but she's always going to be resistant to that. You're going to have to probably plant that seed in someone else. You know, you th- this is how you deal with people like that. You got to plant the seed. You can't be aggressive. You can't be, uh, what's the word? Uh, you know, you, you, you just can't, you can't be obvious about that. You, that you're trying to influence. You got to be able to bring it up in a way to where later on she feels like it was her idea. To me, that's the only way I see this coming out the way you want. You can't, you can't go at her straight up. She's going to be resistant to that. It can't be your idea. It can't be, see, this is what it is. It can't be you think it's better for her than what she's doing now. Because even though that's coming from a place that you, you care, the way it's being perceived is you think she doesn't know how to live her life and you think you know better. And and she and she that's why you, you know you if you try to come at her straight up, it is not gonna work. You know, so you gotta, you know, you can't you can't nag, you know, you gotta you gotta finesse this. You know, and I and I don't know your sister, so I don't know what the best time what the best tone is, but just, you know, every once in a blue moon. And I don't mean every time you see her, right? And I don't mean every time you talk to her, but just every now and then, you know, drop a little, drop a little seed. You know, but don't, you gotta be real careful because if she sniffs out the manipulation, the jig is up. Cause I get it. I, I want to just be like, Hey man, you know what? Everybody, people that don't want to be helped, you can't help them. Cause that's really the truth. People that don't want to be helped. It's really nothing you can do for them. But, uh, but that's hard. It's hard to take that attitude when it's like your, your loved one or your child or your spouse, you know, when it's like, Oh, I want you to quit smoking. You know, how do I make you quit? You know, you can't. Yeah. Yeah, you just gotta your your best bet is to just try to make you know let make them have your idea. <laughs> like in this case, in this case specifically, is like 
when she's like, oh, damn, my eyes are killing me. Don't be like, you know, you, it's probably because of that goddamn job you're doing. Why don't you fucking quit already? You know? Because ain't nobody trying to hear that shit. I'm, I'm just telling you coming from my perspective. When my family tries to convince me to do shit that I don't think is a good idea, and then five years later, I'm like, damn, I should have listened to them. It's because... <laughs> Yeah, I also, I don't know what your track record is. Uh, my family is, they batting about 800. They batting about 80%. They, they be right. But, yeah, that's a tough one. You know? Um, but I, I would really, I would have to know more. I would have to know what your relationship with your sister is. Um, is she just stubborn when it comes to this sort of thing? Or is she just tired of your advice, period? You know? You know, maybe that's something you, you need to work on. Assess yourself in, in that regard, you know? So moving on. Our, um, the, the Black History part of our podcast to uh, this week is not really about a particular uh, person. Even though there are there are some key figures, okay? We're going to talk about Black Wall Street today. Um, the, I guess the key, f- if we had to make it about a specific person, um, O.W. Gurley sort of started it. He was a wealthy uh, landowner from, I want to say, Arkansas. And he moved to Oklahoma during the Oklahoma land run. They were selling land off like crazy in Oklahoma. Um, and O.W. Greenlee, he started this land grab in this specific, uh, specific part of Tulsa, um, uh, around Greenwood Street. Greenwood Street and, and North was, uh, would later become what was known as Black Wall Street or, uh, that's what it's called now. Back then, they called it the Negro Wall Street because, you know, black wasn't a thing. Um, so he started he started this trend of buying of wealthy blacks from around the country, buying land in this specific part of Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, before you know it, and also because of a lot of the uh, segregationist laws in Oklahoma, um, it basically became a place only black people were only allowed to shop here. Right. Which is weird because that's something we try. <laughs> something we try to do later, like by our own choice and, and we niggas just won't do it. But when we were forced to only shop in our own neighborhood, black wall street became, um, one of the wealthiest, uh, neighborhoods in the country. Not just not just one of the wealthiest black neighborhoods. It was the wealthiest black neighborhood, but it was one of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the whole country. Um, I mean, thriving businesses, money. It wasn't there wasn't an actual Wall Street. There wasn't um, like a stock exchange or anything like that. But it was just a lot of thriving black businesses all in this one little area. Um, and when it wasn't that little of an area, I mean, it was. It was, it was, it was pretty, pretty fucking large. Um, I don't, I don't have exact figures, but this first guy, 
he bought uh, 80 acres. He bought an 80 acre farm. So that just go, that's just one guy. So, you know, it was pretty substantial. Um, and there was everything there, barbers, hotels on the waterfront, all kind of luxuries and shit that were just black people at the time just didn't have. This was, this was 1889 when O.W. Gurley came here. It, it became Black Wall Street around like 1902, something like that. Um, now what's significant about this is, um, you know, the, the story is often told in all, in various different ways. Uh, some people have agendas, some don't, so it's hard to suss out exactly what happened. But so this is my version of what happened from the research I've done, me trying to suss out the facts. Okay, so if you if don't bite my head off, uh, you 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 black history buffs out there if I get something wrong or not exactly the way you heard it or whatever. Plus, you can kiss my ass anyway. Um, no, no, your feedback is welcome, but uh, also, suck my dick. So, um, Black Wall Street came to a swift end after being one of the most prosperous neighborhoods in the country. Um, being the most prof, uh, prosperous black neighborhood in the country. Um, in 1921, May 31st, 1921, a white mob attacked residents and businesses of the African-American community of Greenwood in Tulsa, AKA Black Wall Street. And this is considered one of the worst incidents of racial violence in the history of the United States. The attack was carried out on the ground and by air. Destroyed more than 35 blocks of the district. At the time, the wealthiest black community in the United States. More than 800 people were admitted to the hospital. More than 6,000 black residents were arrested and detained, many for several days. Uh, the Oklahoma Bureau of Vital Statistics officially recorded 39 dead, but the American Red Cross declined to provide an official estimate. Now, uh, how did all this kick off? Well, <laughs> I'll let you guess. You, uh, <laughs> I'll let you guess. Uh, I, it, it involves a white woman. That's right, folks. Um, a, uh, a, a black shoe shiner by the name of Dick Rowland was accused of assaulting, uh, a black, 19 year old shoe shiner was accused of assaulting 17 year old Sarah Page, um, a, an elevator operator at the nearby Drexel Hotel. Um, now he was taken into custody. Um, shortly thereafter, the sheriff received a phone call threatening his life and moved him to the top floor of the jail to be more secure and what have you. And, um, you know, rumors started spreading throughout town that, uh, that black, uh, that, uh, that, uh, the white residents were about to lynch this guy. Now, um, 
sorry if I've done a bad job at painting the picture, okay? Black Wall Street is not a city. It's not a huge city. Black Wall Street is just a part of Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? So from what I understand it, uh, Greenwood, Greenwood Street was, or Greenwood was the name of the neighborhood, but the city was black and white, but just the the black part of the city was Black Wall Street. Now, you know, so so this is this is a situation where like the whites still outnumber the blacks by a fair margin, you know. Um, so uh, the black residents armed themselves, went down to the courthouse. Uh, I don't know if they were planning on protecting the guy or whatever. And of course they were, they were, they were matched by a white mob, equally armed, probably better weaponry and whatnot. And, uh, one of the, one of the black residents was asked to give up his gun. He refused. A shot went off and it doesn't say who fired the shot. Um, and, and I really, I don't see the point in guessing because it could be either side. I could see either person losing their cool and, and busting off a shot. Um, that first exchange left two of the, of the black mob dead and 10 of the white mob dead. Um, and, and, and it kicked off right there. It kicked off right there. Uh, it, it started a moving gunfight. The blacks fled back towards Greenwood. Uh, the whites followed. Now, keep in mind, it's people in the town that they're not here for this. You know, they're going on about their regular business. They're coming out of work. They're coming out of church. They're coming out in the movies. And and they don't know what the fuck is going on. But guess what? They, they get shot anyway. It, you know, it's like, uh, this white mob just started shooting any black people. Um, the National Guard ends up being called in. Uh, there were people, uh, there were reports of people dropping dynamite and, uh, and fire bombs from planes on the, on the buildings in Greenwood. And when it was all said and done, uh, when it was all said and done, about 10,000 black people were left homeless. The property damage amounted to 1.5 million in real estate and 750,000 in personal property, which is in 2018 dollars is $31 million. Yeah. Now, um, when it was all said and done, the, uh, the residents that chose not to leave Tulsa, they just they just sank into this like quiet silence about this. It didn't get, it didn't go into the local newspaper. It didn't go into the national newspaper. They just pretended it didn't happen, so they could live in peace. They just didn't bring it up. This whole thing to me, you know, it really speaks to like a lot of things that are going on today with the Me Too movement, right? Um, and I, I get into a lot of discussions about this, about, 
I have a lot of friends that, uh, that, that from all walks of life, I have trans friends, gay friends, uh, feminist friends, uh, non-binary friends. I got friends that are scientists, bankers, barbers, comics, science, uh, you know, all type of things. Whenever there's something potentially controversial going on, I always try to talk, you know, get, get as many widespread opinions as I can. But, but here's something I noticed. Um, whenever I'm talking to a lot of my feminist friends, my white feminist friends, is they always gloss over the fact that feminism has a racism problem. It always has. Feminism, to me, tends to benefit um, white women, white women first and foremost. You know. I, and and this is why um this is why a lot of black men uh are i won't say hesitant but i i i put it like this i think the black men that are suspicious of the me too movement have good reason the, historically because what what you're what you're one of the things that you're asking them to do is hey when a white woman says that something happened, we want all the guns brought out. You know what I mean? And historically, that hasn't worked out too well for black men. Because we there was a time before where, you know, if a, as long as a white woman was accusing a, a person of color, it was pretty much her, her word was bond. Her word was, was gospel. And they would lynch him, motherfucker. Like this whole Black Wall Street was destroyed because of the accusation of a white woman. And I'm pretty sure it was a false accusation. I don't know. Emmett Till was another example, another famous example. I'm sure there, there are hundreds more. You know. So I just, um, I don't know. Black Wall Street, there goes our, there goes our rich neighborhood. I mean, there goes our wealthy, prosperous neighborhood. And, and, uh, and this was, this was followed up, uh, by redlining, you know, and, um, I guess a lot, a lot of people don't know what redlining is. Redlining is, uh, it's a result of the National Housing Act of 1934, um, which basically, uh, made it so made racial segregation and discrimination a part of the housing market. It prevented black people from um, from getting mortgage mortgages in neighborhoods. This is what created the inner city ghettos. It, it created it prevented us from buying houses. Basically, it prevented us from moving in certain neighborhoods. And the ones that were in the neighborhoods, it, it highly encouraged them to leave. So, you know, when you, when you talk about, uh, general, generational wealth in this country, you know, you can trace it back to redlining. I mean, most of the white, most of my white friends have a house in their family. Most, most of my white friends, either, either their parents directly uh, 
Either their parents directly inherited a house, they are waiting to inherit a house, or one of their parents' siblings inherited a house. 95% of my white friends. There's a home in there. There are homes in their families that were passed down. And, and that, that, and it doesn't seem like a huge deal to you until you think back about what that did for you, what that did for your family, how that established that, sh- that paid for some of your college. That might have paid for the, uh, the loan to open a business, whatever. But it's, it was the, it, it's, it was the best way for someone that wasn't rich to pass wealth on to the next generation so that they weren't starting from, from nothing. And, and this isn't some theory. This was a law passed by the federal government. You know, so when you, when you start talking to people about how racism don't exist and all this, you, you just, you're not, you're not, you're not, you're not being genuine or you're speaking from a place of ignorance. You know, so, you know, to, to, imagine if you, you know, if you grew up in a house, imagine if that was an apartment, if you were in an apartment complex, you know, that decent school you went to, imagine if that was a shitty school, that bus you caught every day. I mean, that, or that car, that car you went on trips, family, imagine if that was a bus token. That's what, you know, black folks have, are, have fought an uphill battle in terms of economics. In this country, and 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 the, the ramifications of that still exist to this day. Um, of course, redlining has stopped uh, officially, but it's still sort of the same thing. When you go to certain places, when you go to certain cities, it's still segregated in that way. It's like, oh, you want to you want a loan to get a home over there? Nah, we good. That's where the Jews live. That's where the Asians live. You know, it's like that, uh, you know, and I don't know what the solution is. I don't, I'm one of those people, like, I honestly think shit like that is not going to end till we, till we start in, inhabiting another planet. You know, once, once we start, once we got a colony on Mars, and, and maybe not in our lifetime, but once we got a thriving colony on Mars and they don't need like oxygen and water and, and 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 plants and animals and stuff shipped from Earth. W- once they become their own entity, because that's bound to happen, they're gonna want independence. Plus, what you gonna do to stop them? You know what I mean? It's a seven month trip. What are you gonna do to stop them? So, w- once they become the other, the enemy, that's when everybody's gonna unite on Earth. Once we have another uh, another enemy. My favorite show right now is called The Expanse. It's actually from a set of books. But The Expanse is just, it's all about that. The Mars is its own thing. And, and it's, and Earth is united. And so is Mars, cause they, you know, it's not as great on Mars. Anyway, I'm not gonna give away this. Just watch it. It's a good show. Um, if you're a sci-fi nerd like myself. Uh, but yeah. So we, 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 Oh man, I'm gonna I'm catch a lot of shit about that Me Too thing, but I don't care. I want to hear your opinions. I have my own. Um, they're not set in stone. Um, tell me if I'm missing something. Tell me if I'm saying if I said something that isn't true, or if there if I'm speaking from a place of ignorance. I don't think I am. 
I don't think I am. I really, you know, I'm really interested to hear from you. If you have an opinion, you can email me at BS uh, with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. Or you can holler at me in person. You know, I'm gonna ask you to email me after you tell me your story. I'm not gonna write this shit down like sitting and writing shit down. If, you, if it's not important enough for you to type it out, then. So, uh, so yeah, um, thank you for listening. And keep your eye out for that bullshit.